So what we're talking about tonight, Minda and Paul have been speaking on values, and so they asked us to speak on basically value of outreach and, and what out outreach looks in our community. So I'm going to just share um, a quote by Charles Spurgeon. It is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to give out to outgive God. Even if I give the whole of my worth to him, he will find a way to give back to me much more than I gave. And I love that quote because it's so true. We can never outgive God. I mean, he's already given more than we could ever give. So I'm going to open in prayer and then you all are welcome to sit down. But God, I just pray, Lord, tonight that you would speak through Jason and I, God, that um, it would be your words, not ours, Lord. And I just ask that you would um, allow, Lord, your light to shine through and allow your heart to be um, so evident in this place tonight that people could see um, what your true heart is for and who you're for. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can sit down now, now that we're all together, kind of, except for two people. Three. Just kidding. Not funny. All right, that's cool. All right, um, okay, so if everyone has their Bible or an app or something like that, I'd love you guys to, to uh, read along. We're going to start out with Isaiah 58. We're going to go 6 through 14 as kind of like the model for uh, the message today. So, Isaiah 58, 6 through 14. All right. Okay, and I'm reading out of the Message Bible because it's super cool and Courtney found it in that way. So, all right, this is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on. And your life's, sorry, do this and your lights will turn on. And your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help, and I'll say, here am I. So, what's that? Yes, I will do that. Uh, if, you get rid of, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sin, if you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lives will begin to flow in the darkness. Your shadow lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again, if you watch your step on the Sabbath of rest and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money runny here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. So today, 
God led Court and I to this verse, and actually we had a conversation about, like, why is this chapter something you've brought us to regarding outreach or regarding community or regarding investment, whether it be in our families or in the inner city or in the suburbs or wherever it is. So we did a couple of, like, searches on it, and we prayed about it, obviously. And it's talking, Isaiah 58 is actually talking about to Israel what the Lord desires for them in a fast. So I looked up fast and strongs and all that, and it literally means to place one hand over one's mouth. And so if you think about that, put your hand over your mouth. What can you provide for yourself right now? Nothing. You can't provide anything for yourself. You can't breathe. You can't eat. You can't do anything for yourself. And so what the Lord's speaking to Israel through this whole chapter, just as an overview, is that he's saying, put your hand over your own mouth. Don't be worried about your own self. You know, like he talks about in Matthew, about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Don't be worried and concerned about that. Put your hand over your mouth. Let me care for that. That's my job. There was one verse I had mentioned this before that God shared with me when I was, had just came back to Michigan and I was making like an insane small amount of money. People were dropping off groceries and everything else. And God said the children of, well, his, his word says, the children of the righteous will never go hungry. And so for me, what that spoke to me is God was saying, since I've got your kids and your wife, what's your job? Since I've got that, that's on me, right? But then the other thing is if our hand is away from our mouth and we're putting stuff in our mouth, God really doesn't have the room and the space to put anything in there with it, right? So anyway, so the whole chapter just talks about fasting. We're going to go through it in a little bit more in just a second. But this is God's template for ministry or outreach. Anything that he does, anything that Christ did, he always placed himself back, right, through his ministry. Uh, he always he even taught his disciples that too, the feeding of 5,000, right, five loaves, two fishes. He had them gather that. He didn't multiply. We were talking about this. He didn't multiply the baskets out front and then say, okay, cool, now we've got 365 baskets full of food. Now go pass it out. They still only had five loaves and two fishes. When they looked in the basket, that's all there was but it just never ran out. So God said, take all that you have and give it, just like the lady with the oil, right? He didn't multiply it, and all of a sudden there was just, you know, 100,000 jars of oil just miraculously appearing. It just kept pouring. That's what God's calling us to do, is to take what we have and to give and to take no concern for ourselves because God's got that. And so when we come to outreach, when we come to ministry, when we come to community, we come to family, my struggle personally in my heart is I'm always like, okay, but I got to make sure, like, I'm wise, right? I mean, that was the biggest argument Courtney and I when we moved to the city was, okay, but we got to be wise. And God was saying, but that's my job. My job's to care for you. So what's your job? So I want you guys to think about that. Just pray about this. Let your hearts be open. Okay, Holy Spirit, what do you have for us? Now, not everyone's called to do what everyone else is supposed to do. Courtney and I are called to specifically minister to kids and families in the community of East Detroit. That's our that's what God's put in us. That's what he's gave us a passion for and a, he's designed us for. But in every one of us, he's designed us for something. And we're supposed to go, okay, God, I need to take that step. Something beyond yourself, which I don't mean to talk about your stuff later. Okay, so uh, open up to Luke 18, 18 through 29 with me. And I'm assuming it'll take you guys quicker than me. And everyone yell really loud when you get there. I'm just kidding. Oh, so did beat me. Son of a nutcracker. 
Okay, one day, one of the local officials asked him, good teacher, what must I do to deserve eternal life? And Jesus said, why are you calling me good? No one is good, only God. You know the commandments, don't you? No illicit sex, no killing, no stealing, no lying. Honor your father and mother. He said, I've kept them all for as long as I can remember. When Jesus heard that, he said, then there's only one thing left to do. Sell everything you own, give it to the poor. You will have riches in heaven, then come follow me. This was the last thing the official expected to hear. He was very rich and became terribly sad. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let them go. Seeing his reaction, Jesus said, Do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter God's kingdom? I'd say it's easier to thread a camel through the needle's eye than get a rich person into God's kingdom. Sorry, 29. Then who has any chance at all, the other asked. No chance at all, Jesus said. If you think you can pull it off by yourself, every chance in the world, if you try, <laughs> every chance in the world, if you trust God to do it. Peter tried to regain some initiative. We left everything we owned and followed you, didn't we? Yes, said Jesus, and you won't regret it. No one who has sacrificed home, spouse, brothers and sisters, parents, children, whatever, will lose out. It will all come back multiplied many times over in your lifetime and then the bonus of eternal life. And then next I want to turn to Luke uh, 19, 1 through 9. Just a chapter ahead. Then Jesus entered the, uh, and walked through Jericho. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite rich. He asked desperately, he wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd, so he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down, today is my day to be a guest in your home. Zacchaeus scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there, a little stunned. He stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half of my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus said, Today is salvation day in, his, in this home. Here he is, Zacchaeus, the son of Abram. Abraham, for the Son of Man, came to find and restore the lost. So, obviously there's two models that we have of what is in our hearts, and that's the important thing, right? As we go through what we're willing to give of ourselves. Not specifically, like, try not to think too much about the specifics of the story, but the heart of the story for a moment. And the one thing I thought about, too, like, Think about what you have right now in your checking account. Like, just think about it. Now take half of it, and you just give it away. You walk out this door, there's somebody on Wilbur, there's someone on Mac, and you literally just give half of that away. So think about that number, so that's gone. Then everyone in your life you've ever felt like you maybe were unkind to, you know, whatever, think about a number. Like, if I were to buy them dinner, right, that's like 50 bucks. So if I were to buy dinner and take them out to dinner and kind of make amends, right, now multiply that by four. So every person in your life, five, ten people times four. So you've got $200 per person that you've ever illed in your life. How does that even add up? Like it doesn't even make sense to me. So one guy is sad. The other guy gives half away. And then every time he even thinks about somebody that he's wronged, 
he gives them back four times. It's not even possible. And so what I was thinking about when I read that, or we read, reread that, is like that's above and beyond what he had. It had to be. It had to be more than he had. So anyway. So what is outreach? Outreach is extending yourself beyond what you feel you're capable of doing. So if you feel that you're capable of giving eight hours a week to something other than your job or your family, then, and I'm just using hours as a, as a you know, example, then God's saying, but I could make that 16 hours because if you trust me and if you allow me to work in your life, I'm going to take you further than you felt like you were going to be able to go. And so I just did a little study on Zacchaeus because everyone, you know, we as a little kid grew up singing Zacchaeus was a wee little man. But he literally wasn't wee in stature. He wasn't a small guy. He went out before everyone got there because of who he was as a person. He was a tax collector. He was a crook. It would basically be today if a prostitute wanted to come into our church and she knew that she was going to be made fun of, looked at differently. So she would come in before everyone else got here and find a secret place to hide. And then she would stay in that spot just so she could hear the message that was coming in that day. And then what if the pastor of the church called her out? What if she's hiding in the balcony and the pastor was like, you know, whoever, you come down. I'm going to your house today. Like, I'm coming over for dinner. And that's who Zacchaeus was in that time. He wasn't a small man. He was a man of, he was crooked. He was corrupt. But in his heart, he knew that he needed to get to Jesus. He knew that he needed to hear about Jesus. He wanted to just see who he was and, and to hear the word that he had to give for him that day. And so he climbed up in this tree, and Jesus walked past him and said, I'm coming to your house today. And because of it, he changes his lifestyle, right? He ends up giving half away to the poor and four times as much the people that um, corrupted him or he did poor things to. And Jesus said, salvation is coming to your house today. He didn't say salvation came to you today. He said salvation came to your, your house today. So basically, because Zacchaeus gave his heart to Jesus that day in his actions, like he didn't say, you know, he didn't fall on his face and like weep and cry and ask Jesus to forgive him. It was like a heart posture. He did whatever he could to get to Jesus that day. And because of that, he wanted to know everything he could. And Jesus knew his heart because as Jesus only does, like we talked about that a little bit earlier in the scriptures that Jason read in Isaiah 58, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping and about other people's sin, um, if you're generous with the hungry. And I feel like a lot of the church goes around pointing fingers at people and where they should be with their walk with Christ or where they're not with their walk with Christ. And I just love using an analogy of an onion. Like, we're all onions and God peels us separately. Like we all have so many different layers and we're not all in the same um, path as each other. Like Jason said, God has called us to the inner city of Detroit to work with families and to help build family, strong family units. And that's what he's called us to do. But that's not necessarily what he's called Kurt to do or what he's called Aaron and Melanie to do. I mean, we all have different paths we need to follow. And so 
I think people sometimes look at people that do ministry and think, oh, they're like these great people. And we're not. We're just ordinary people that are going about, like above what God has called us. To. So God called us to move to Detroit, and that was a huge step for us, a huge step of faith. So God was like, I'm taking you beyond what you guys thought you could do. And he's got something in all of our lives that will take us forward and to move us past where we feel like we can go. And I feel like that's what God really wanted us to talk on today because I feel like so many times in our lives, we're on this path where we're like, oh, woe is me. I have all this horrible things going on in my life. But if you read in Isaiah 58, Isaiah 58, I don't have this. Um, he talks about if you give, if you are generous with the hungry, you start giving yourself to the down and out, your life will begin, begin to glow in the darkness. He didn't say like, just sit in a chair and cry about your problems and hopefully it'll all work out and maybe I'll bring you some money on the side. He didn't say that. He said, if you, your lights will begin to glow when, when you give of your time, when you are giving to the generous, to the hungry, when you give to yourself, to the down and out. And so in our lives, we are all, we're all broken people or otherwise we wouldn't be sitting in this church and we wouldn't need a savior. So we're all broken people and God's going to use the brokenness in each one of our lives to get us to fulfill the destiny he has for us, which means reaching beyond where we feel we can go as people and as Christians and followers of Christ. But we can't do that until we come out of ourself and out of our who we all have this idea of what we thought life was going to be, right? Like, you know, we're all going to get married and have kids and have a white picket fence and you know, have a dog and have a car and a boat. And those are all like material things. And when Jason talked about earlier about like putting our hand over our mouth, like those are things that we can supply for ourselves. So we can go get a job, we can make money, we can buy those things, but we're doing that for ourselves. So when we put our hand over our mouth and we stop trying to fulfill what we feel we can only provide, God can come in and I'll be the first one to say that. I never thought that I could be, I want to say this in a way that's not like, I never thought that I could be, live a full life living in Detroit. I didn't. I, I loved living in Arizona when God called us to move back here to Michigan. I cried a lot. And then when I moved back to Michigan, I said, fine, God, I'll move back to Michigan, but I'm never living in Detroit. And then he called us to Detroit. And I never thought I could live a full life in Detroit. I was wrong because when we push past our comfort zones and push past where we feel we can be as a person and God says, no, outreach is going beyond what you can do on your own, then I will give you a full life. And in that full life, we get to pour into others. We get to um, minister out of that fullness. And so when we begin to give of ourselves more, even when we're in the, in the down and dumps, then he will begin to glow. We will begin to glow in the darkness. It said, your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. That's a thing too. Like we think God has put this like little design in our heart to be like these 
I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, because we all know what, what God has in our hearts to do. And we think, but how will I know how to get there? And he says, I will always show you where to go. He will always, and he'll say, I'll give you a full life in the empty places, emptiest of places. And that was one thing, like when we moved to Detroit and we started to do outreach, we never, we were like, well, what do we do next? But God orchestrated every step. He got us involved in a local elementary school. And then that local elementary school ended up being the school that our foster kids went to. And then I ended up getting into a good relationship with the social worker at that school. And so then even after our foster kids left, we still have this relationship with the school that now you all are helping pack meals for the kids for the weekends. And it's those things that we didn't see when we first moved to Detroit. We didn't see all the the ways that God was going to orchestrate our path. But we decided to trust that if we stopped trying to make things happen on our own, that God would provide. And he did. And because of it, now we have great, amazing relationship with the kids in our neighborhood. So much so on Friday night, I sat with a little girl. Why she, I shouldn't say little because she's, a, you know, in high school at Cast Tech. Why she cried. Her mom's in prison. She doesn't really get to see her dad. She lives with her grandma. And she just is like who you would say. I, I mean, like, there's times in my life that I think, man, I wish my life looked a little different right now. But I could not imagine being in her shoes. Her mom's in prison. She's helping raise her siblings. Her, she lives with her grandma. Her grandma's also taking care of her, her grandpa, who is not able to walk. He's in a wheelchair. And it's a really bad home life. And, and, and before they came to us on Friday night for our community night, there was so much chaos in the house and screaming and yelling that every kid came to the community night like deer in headlights. They didn't even know what to do. I mean, every kid found a different place in the building that we had our community night and just sat by themselves. And, and one by one, Jason and I went to each one of them and talked with them, like, what's going on in your life? And, and sometimes it's, I think I posted it on the JJ House page last week or two weeks ago. Our weeks are full of stuff that's going on. Everyone's lives are week full of stuff going on. And there's, there's times that I'm like, I want to go home and sit on my couch. I don't want to go and minister to this kid or that adult or take meals or do this or do that. I just want to be home. I want to spend that extra whatever, a couple hours and just pour into my son and to my husband and, and, and be home. And there's weeks that my laundry's overflowing because I've been to every community school in our neighborhood and I haven't been home. And, and then I, I get to do, we get to do what we do in the community. And we see little glimpses of that sunlight that God pours into the kids through us because we made a choice to say yes to Jesus and go beyond what we know and still every day wake up and say, we can't do that. And God's like, mm, but you can. And, and I feel like there's so many of us in our lives that God's calling you beyond what you can do. And like Jason said, I'm going to keep iterating this. Not everyone's called to live in Detroit, but everyone's life is different. And whether it's called to the neighborhoods that you live in or the work that you do, because everyone's work is different, you're all designed for a specific purpose. So I just want to finish reading this. I'm going to hand it off to Jason. But he says he not only will give you a full life in the emptiest of places, but he will firm your muscles, give you strong bones, and you will be a well-watered garden. And when you 
pour out sometimes it's it's tiring it's exhausting you feel like you don't have much to give but he promises that he will make your muscles firm that he will make your bones strong and that you will be a well-watered garden that you will never run dry and not only that but this is the coolest part that he will use the old rubble of your past and so i think kurt talked about this during worship actually i don't think he did um just about how we have like things in our lives that sometimes we look at and we think well i can't go to jesus or i can't help people because i have this in my past when i work with when we work with prostitutes and we get them off the streets and we get them into programs and they're like living their life for jesus and we see joy in their life that we never saw before because they're on the streets constantly and when you see them on the street there is no joy coming out of their life and then they, they start to find out who their creator is and how much Jesus loves them, and they start to love others in that same. It is the most amazing thing to see. But there is a little shadow that follows them constantly, reminding them of their past, reminding them of what they did. And it is the hardest thing to get them to, and all of us, I mean, I, I can say for me too, it's the hardest thing to put that out. And so God is saying in the scripture verse that he will use the old rubble of your past to, to of past lives to build anew, rebuild the foundations from out of the past. You will be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, and make the community livable again. And I think that's so cool because God kind of reminded me when we were reading that um, a couple months ago when Paul asked me to share what God was speaking with me about. Um, we are the um, clay and Jesus is the potter and just about how like he breaks down every piece of that clay to make it new. And he doesn't erase it all. He literally takes all the crap that we've been through and he breaks it all down. So that's part of who we are. That's part of our DNA. That's part of our bones. That's part of our structure. And we get to minister out of that because here's the deal. If people in the world are broken and we pretend we're not, why would they want to come in our doors? Why would they want to minister with us? Why would they want to do life with us if we feel like we have it all together? We don't have it together. And I mean, let's just lay it on the table. Like I know everyone in this room does not have it together. We don't have it together. (laughs) And we need to be willing to talk about the ways we don't have it together. Because when I sit down with a little girl from Cast Tech, and she'd probably kill me if I said, if she heard me say little, when I sit down with this girl from Cast Tech and I talk to her about her family life and, and all the ways that, that she wishes life would be different, and I act like, well, I got it together. I'm so glad I could help you right now. Um, you know, if you ever just, you know, want to be in a perfect family, you can just come to my house. No. I like tell her like life life is hard. And right now you're a kid, but adulting's going to get harder. And let's walk through that. Let's let's figure out ways so that we can cope in situations that are hard. And we all as a community, as a church body, need to start doing that because if we want to reach the people out there, which so Jesus never came into a building to reach people. Jesus went out like he went beyond the walls. 
And so we, as a church, need to do that. We need to go beyond the walls of this building, beyond the walls of our comfort zones, beyond the walls of, like, racial boundaries, racial tensions, racial everything. We need to go beyond those walls because we, we have the love of Christ in us, and we are the only ones, and I'm talking about the body of Christ, so not just this room, but we, as a body of Christ, are the only ones that can make a difference in this world. We are the only ones that are here to show his love. And if people do not know how much they're loved, they're not going to be able to tell other people how much they're loved. The reason why we can sit with people on the streets, prostitutes, drug addicts, pimps, the reason why we can is because we know how much God loves us. And we know that we need a Savior, that we fall short every day, and that if it wasn't for Christ— that we would not have an eternal destiny. And so because of that, we can move into a relationship with people on the streets and guide them in the same thing. And so outreach is going beyond what we can do in and of ourselves, allowing Christ to work through us, and not pretending that we have it all together because we don't. And Jason's going to wrap it up, but I think I talked a little too much. Not at all. So... Technically not wrapping it up. She's going to talk again, which is way better. Okay, so, like, what? Everyone close your eyes for a second. So everything we've been talking about for the last 15, 20 minutes, what it comes down to is it comes down to purpose. That's all it is. And so what the enemy does in our lives, at least what he does in my life, so, and I know I'm not alone, is that the enemy makes me feel that my purpose is not attainable because, like what Courtney talked about, your past, the things in your life, uh, maybe it's the trials that you're going through because they're real. And obviously, I don't know what you're going through, and Courtney doesn't, but you know, we've walked through some stuff. We walked through, you know, our brother got killed in Libya. We've walked through God restoring our marriage. Um, we've walked through a few things that were overwhelming, at least in the moment. So when we're talking right now about Isaiah, and Courtney is sharing about the purpose of outreach, and in this case the purpose of the fast, which is to limit what I'm providing for myself and to focus on others, the reason that we do that or can do that is because we trust him. You know, the word says that trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge him, he'll direct your path. It says seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things are added. So sometimes it's hard for us to step into whatever those things are that God's placing on our heart. Like as we've been talking, certainly you've heard words. Hopefully way better than that is the Holy Spirit has been just putting like a picture of who you are in your mind and in your heart. And that picture is maybe what you're supposed to do. Mickey, what you're supposed to do. Aaron, what you're supposed to do. It's what you're supposed to do. Dave, what you're supposed to do. It's who you were designed to be. It says that obedience is better than sacrifice, and I think a lot of times we feel that just doing good is what God wants. And it's not. It's not what he requires of us. He doesn't require sacrifice. He requires obedience. And you know what we can be obedient to? the design, who we're designed to be. 
And that design comes from our trust in him. So in Isaiah, it's talking about all these things that he's called us to do and to be, and uh, he's called us to uh, bind up, uh, just like we talk about in Isaiah 61, bind up the brokenhearted, uh, rebuilders of wastelands, all that stuff. That only comes from a place of trusting that God has us. So I can focus on my brother or my sister because I know he's got me. If we put our hand over our mouths and we trust God with our needs and concern ourselves with others, he supplies in abundance. But as long as we're our own supply for the healing of our hearts, for the peace in our minds, for the financial or the physical or the edible provision in our life, we're always limited to what we can do. And I don't know about, I mean, I know you guys probably are similar, but I suck at that. Like, I am so limited in my ability to provide for my wife or for my son, but he's not. So right now, I want you to think, when your eyes are closed, I want you to think about what that's been. Not think about something new. In the last 25 minutes, the Holy Spirit, because I've asked him to, and he's faithful, has had something in your mind or in your heart. And that's the one thing. That's the one thing. It's the thing you were designed for. It's your purpose. You know what God's template for ministry is? Who he made you to be already. That's his template for ministry. It's nothing different, nothing new, nothing surprising, nothing shocking. It's who you are. So we talk about reaching out beyond ourselves. It's not reaching out beyond who he designed us to be. It's reaching out beyond what we have in our hands to do what he's designed us to do. So right now as you're thinking about that thing, whatever that thing is, whatever that purpose is, for Courtney and I, it's kids and family. Like, it is our heart. It's the whole reason we moved to Detroit in the first place. And everything God has brought along the way, he's provided everything. He's provided the opportunity and the ability. We've provided nothing. It's a definition of grace, right? The ability to God, for God to do through us what we can't do on our own. You know, our only responsibility is like 1%, and it's just to say yes. And as we minister, and right now a lot of you guys are couples, or have families, it comes from that place. Courtney and I don't minister on our own. Literally, the only thing we do on our own without JJ is go out on the streets on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It's just, but, he still has to buy <laughs> but he still packs lunches. God's called us, us to do something. And obedience is so much, so much better than sacrifice. And obedience is kind of simple. It's like God says. You know, give that guy a hug and you give him a hug. That's it. He's stoked. You know, he doesn't say give that guy a hug and then he expects food. Jay better literally take all of his clothes off right now and give it to that guy. He's not interested in the sacrifice. He's interested in the obedience. He says, what I'm interested in seeing you do 
sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Might be harder than the last three things I just said. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help. And I'll say, here I am. Are you in a place where you need? Are you in a place where you need light to your path? Are you in a place where seems maybe a little hazy or dark. Essentially what he's saying is the reason you can care for others is because you trust me. So what he's saying to you right now is I've built you for something. I've intended you for something. So trust me with all that, the haziness, the difficulty. Trust me with that. Trust me. So right now I want to take five minutes, a full five minutes, and I want you to close your eyes or whatever you want to do and think about that thing right now. And if you want to talk to your spouse about it, talk to your family about it right now, and I want to take the next five minutes and pray about that. And Courtney wants to say something. Sorry. So obviously we're talking about value series right now, and the values that Minda and Paul wanted us to share about was outreach. And so whatever God has intended you to do on your heart, as a church body, we can only be what God intended us to be. So if we're going to do outreach as a body of believers, then that thing that God put on your heart is crucial for building outreach in this church because we can't all be the arms, we can't all be the legs, but God has put something in your heart specifically to do in this church and that is needed because if that one spot is empty, then we can't do outreach as a body of Christ. Yes, Jason and I can do outreach still, and Aaron and Melanie can do outreach with their get whole. But as a body of Christ, until we all put fit together like that puzzle piece, we can't do outreach as, as, as a church. So as you're sitting here for the five minutes and reflecting and talking it over, just remember that we're in this together. This is a community, and if we want to reach the broken, we need to do it together and not individually.